Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So we had a good final day, lads. It wasn't as probably good as I was hoping for because Division 1 relegation was decided very early. Uh, Mayo kept it interesting, almost threw it away, which, which at least kept that a little bit interesting because Kerry were hammering uh, Roscommon. Division 2 relegation, Division 2 promotion was over very quickly too, although Fermanagh maybe had people guessing at the start, 4-0 up. Um, they threw it away. Then it's all about Division 3, really, because promotion was decided in the last couple of minutes and relegation was decided in the last couple of minutes. So that was exciting. I don't know about you. You went to the Mead for Man Game. I listened to all this unfolding on um, Radio 1. So it was it was exciting. I was watching the hurling and this was going on on the radio. And I was just thinking, this should be on television and these results should all be coming in. And this is almost like Groundhog Day at the end of the National League. It's given no respect uh, you have Andy McEntee and you have um, Declan Bonner and these lads saying promotion was the most important thing. It's nice to get a game in Crow Park. It's a bloody league final. You know, there's no real excitement about it. Like, I mean, you know, it does, it's not given any respect in the calendar. It, it could have been an unbelievable day yesterday and it could have been hyped up and made bigger. Um, on Radio Wonder just kept saying it was fascinating if I had a euro for every time I heard the word fascinating but I don't know like I mean it, it, more should be made out of all this someone suggested a red zone I think it was John Fogarty on Twitter yesterday Oh yeah well look it, it's, it will be there for people to consume and I'm sure people would, would follow it with a great degree of interest and particularly if they had uh, footage from each of the venues that they could flick between as scores were coming in or as things were unfolding course, across the course that of the 70 minutes that would be really really good and look people would watch it people would all tune in they'd all be interested in it because um, there's a wide range of interests when it comes to the end of the league it's not just a one-off game or a final or you know, the top teams again, it's, you know, almost all counties have some level of interest, even if that's, you know, listening to the radio to hope the neighbouring county beside you doesn't get promoted, <laughs> that they do get, re- you know, there's always yeah. something, you know. So. Well, at least put Carlo down, but kept awfully up. So I don't know what, whether I'm happy or what, what way to feel about that. Like, I mean, at least got promoted is the bit yeah, I'm kind of concerned. 
But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of it's it's just kind of uh, it's it's just kind of disappointing. Interestingly, Roscommon would have stayed up if it wasn't for Niall Morgan uh, kind of play acting. Again, I tweeted something about that last night and I got absolutely attacked from all quarters and then realised, <laughs> yeah, of course there's a lot of decisions across the league that would mean you'd go up or down. But that was one huge glaring one. At the, it was the last kick of the game. So like, I mean, I thought it was OK to point that out. Um, in fairness to Monaghan, they kept Mayo very honest right up until the end, even though if they could have, they could have... Uh, thrown in the towel a few different occasions in that so now we know the league uh, division 1 finals so this has worked out okay for the GEA as it turns out because the division 3 final now is obviously being pushed back into April they're not playing at midweek from what from what I've been reading so now the the hurling and football becomes a double header which is a nice That's great, great. Yeah. yeah it worked out well and you have the division 2 and division 4 finals so Derry Leitrim will be delighted that Meath Donegal might have brought more bring a little bit more prestige to that day yeah. than there would just for the Division 3 and 4 finals so it's all worked out well poor Leash and whoever they play in the final are just going to be stuck in some bog of a, of a field and oh, that's it might we never play. be played <laughs> it's, it's club month next month there's no yeah. inter-county action that's it yeah you got promoted why do you want the final for uh, well, like, that's <laughs> it I'm, I'm already saying Mead, we've already won Division 2 I don't care about the final we topped the, we topped the division next week yeah. is irrelevant I don't care we won Division 2 that's it but I hope that though like oh the final's a bonus a league final just feign some sort of excitement for the second most important competition in the calendar it's hilarious the way this goes on I, will, I think look to be fair talking about dampening down bloody excitement yeah yeah but look you have to look at it and say teams have, have had to work very hard league final next weekend is, is the third game three weeks in a row if there was even a week break where they had an opportunity to build up towards a final I think it would change the change the vibe a little bit for a lot of these teams but a lot of the time once the, once the final whistle blows in the last league game it's almost a sigh of relief that you've that you've either stayed up got promoted or you know done whatever you've done so um Look, they'll all refocus during the week, and of course they'll they'll put the bill, you know, put the focus on it then. But it, it's not enough time to actually build up towards the final, because Mead played. Yes, I think that the league final is Saturday, isn't it for for Mead Donegal? Yeah. So they've had big matches today, and they've six day turnaround for a final. Which look, it's it is a bonus. That's the way they've looked at it all along. It was all about getting promoted, and how how they got there was somewhat irrelevant. And if they win it now in the end, it will be just a bonus to them. Yeah, see, it's but that's is that not twisted? Is it not? Let's win the league, and a bonus is the promotion. Do you know what well, I mean? I think a a knock-on effect of being in the final is that you're getting pro- like is winning the league not more important than than just get come? You know, than just getting promoted. Why is that the be all and end all? The chances are meet are coming straight back down. No, let's not be at honest. All. Not a chance. No hope. <laughs> right. Well, if Ross Common and Cavan are anything to go by, they're the yo-yo. They're the yo-yo uh, teams up to Division One. They can't seem to stay up. So Division Three was where it was all about, lads. And maybe this is just because I'm a leash man. Huge surprise that Loud went away to Down. That really caught me off guard because in my head. Down were through, and then it was between Westmead, Loud, and Leash. So when that result came in, I was a little bit um, shocked. I had seen Down out of the picture and promoted, and as it turns out, Down are now out. They're not getting promoted, and they're not in the final. They've really made a balls of this Down. They went forty minutes in the game against Loud without scoring. It was a dour, low-scoring game. Leash did the business against Carlo, which I knew they would and which they would be expected um, to do. So as it turns out, Loud and Westmead both won. So the way it's turning out now is that Leash and Down are on the same points. Leash have both beaten Down on the head-to-head and have a better score distance. So Down can't go ahead of Leash under any circumstances. If if Westmead beat Loud, they go above Down. If Loud beat Westmead, they draw with Down on 
uh, 10 points and there'll be three teams and 10 points then a scoring difference Loud and Westmead in that are have both better score difference than Down. If Westmead and Loud draw, yeah. Westmead are on ten with Leash and Down, and Westmead have a better score difference than Down. Down are out, which is a huge surprise. And then it came down to the very, very last, um, almost kick of a game for Offaly to stay up in Division Three. So obviously a draw wasn't good enough for them. They had a whole load of chances, should have won the game by more, um, apparently. And you have substitute Mark Abbott. So I'm sure Carlo were in that game. Um, obviously they wanted a beat leash to sh- ensure they came up or draw that wasn't on the cards um, they were looking at the Offaly result and that's a draw with with the clock ticking down and then Offaly get the winners to go level on on points with Carlo and put them down on the score difference so like I mean that was the most that was probably the most dramatic uh, f- you know ending to yeah. the, to any of the divisions Down, Down's turnaround throughout the whole league has just been so dramatic they yeah. lost the leash and then people just sort of started writing them off because they had that young team but then Paddy Talley got them going and they won all those successive games and they looked like really comfortable then going they lost this the weekend. first one and the last one yeah and then it's just one point of a difference as well Leash are beating them by one point of a score difference because they were they had the loud goal under siege as well so this yeah. was ticking this this was all going on and then I, like, I was really annoyed with Radio 1 because this was where all the action was and then you're getting a report on Kerry well Kerry are still <laughs> 10 points up here it's like that's, that's not I don't care that game's done now we've decided Kerry are in the final let's focus on the ones that are so then I instead of listening to that I went onto Twitter and was just typing in awfully Sligo and frantically checking updates yeah. on that and then it was like loud down and that was the only way I was trying to do it so a different search is going on like it was like <laughs> ah but that's exciting this is why we need the bloody red zone <laughs> look at the shit I had to go through yesterday <laughs> Uh, I was I was much the same actually at the end of the meeting game trying to frantically see where Cork getting relegated out of Division Two, you know you're waiting you're waiting for the the scores to come in but you have the score but you're going Jesus what the hell was the score difference in this you know it's, yeah uh, yeah well that's the thing like I mean it but it, this is the thing so awfully stayed up now Carlo went down and I mean Sligo and Carlo went down. Um, I don't think we tip Carlo to go down, but it's not a big surprise that Carlo are back in Division in Division Four. Let's be honest; it's not a surprise that um, Sligo are going back down to Division Four. Offaly, like I was thinking, I think I said last Thursday that you would have thought Carlo had a better league than Offaly on paper. Um, but then you have I was listening to John Mohan on Midlands Radio, and he was talking about the Westmead game when they were thirteen three up and they conspired to lose that. They were six up against Loud, they scored an OG to lose that. They reckon they drew with Longford, and they, apparently they should have won that as well. They played pretty well against Leash at home. Like he was making the point to Brian Gavin on Midlands Radio that promotion wouldn't have been a crazy uh, situation. <laughs> well, well, like you know, so ge- maybe genuinely, almost every season across the divisions with the exception maybe of Division 1 where there seems to be a clear enough hierarchy at times Division 2 and Division 3 are very much yeah. like that where every game can come down to um, a refereeing decision a, a bad mistake that can just change the course of your season and like you look at you look at Carlo there they they I'm sure will point to numerous games where they maybe had hard luck stories as well with decisions going against them and different things that happen or mistakes being made or missed opportunities um, but at the end of the league after the seven games are played or whatever, you, you get the picture of where you are. 
and Carlo were very competitive in the division probably a bit unlucky to go down when you look at the score difference like it's, yeah, it's their quite, score difference are always going to be I know low. but it, it doesn't matter it's still quite rare that you see a team with you know quite quite a strong score difference or very close getting relegated it's usually the teams are you know they're minus 20 or minus 30 they're, they're, they've lost a few games quite heavily um, so it's quite interesting that they're probably the only team in all the divisions that um, had, a, had a better score difference than teams above them Yeah so there was an incident at the end of the leash match between uh, it was between John Sugru and Stephen Poacher so I'm trying to find out some more information I don't want to say any more on it um, until I know the full facts but uh, from a few different witnesses it's uh, it's definitely will put it down as an incident so hopefully we'll get some video evidence and see what the hell happened there other than that I'm not going to see too, say too much more I think the Leash County Board are currently weighing up what they're going to to do about the inc- to, uh, to do about the incident so we'll we'll play it by ear over the course of the week and see how see how that one pans out hopefully the video might have caught went, what went on um, you mentioned uh Division 2 and there being not much between the different teams at those divisions so Tipperary are a perfect example of that so last year they were very unlucky not to get promoted this year they've got relegated now Tipperary are in a really weird situation even though a home win still wouldn't have kept them up anyways because Cork had won and Cork had would have beaten them on the head to head so they were in a really weird situation and I'm sure word was coming through over the course of that game, a Cork were winning well in Armagh, but then Armagh drew it level, so did Tip really not need more any more motivation in that one? So this was a bizarre game. Tip hit one eleven from play in the opening half with the with the wind. Incredible performance. Connor Sweeney was absolutely flying it. Colin Collins's uh, Clare went twenty seven minutes without scoring with the wind. So Clare they went uh, they went in at half time. Um, I think there were five points up and Clare had that wiped out within five minutes of the second half. So then, And then Clare went all that time without scoring. Tip had built up another three-point lead. Then Clare scored 1-2 one, 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 in the last couple of minutes to, to, to win it. Like, I mean, it's just a bizarre... I don't think... From reading the report, Clare didn't really deserve to win the match. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, well, it's, a, it, it's a phenomenal end to the match for them and an end to their league campaign because, again, Clare and Tip were both fairly well placed last year in Division 2 um, so like it's just it's just amazing how it can turn around so quickly in the space of a year and fair play to Clare for digging it out because that's what they had to do Dug like, it out away if, from home yeah, yeah like if you, cre- if you you give them credit now but your team can like if you're going uh, through that amount of time in a game where you're you're not getting scores on the board it can be quite demoralised for a team can sap the energy so to still be able to come up trumps with the scores they needed at the very end shows fairly good character yeah you know? who got the two points at the last minute last couple of minutes to Tuberty win Tuberty probably Tuberty and Brennan yeah, yeah. there you go who do you need in a, in a moment of, of crisis Tuberty you need Gary and Brennan. Brennan and David Tuberty <laughs> um, Cork obviously gone down lads so this is a couple of stats here that might kind of jump out with you and it's like Cork started the decade as All-Ireland champions and end the decade in Division 3 so that's a fair fall and then you hear that they were in the Division 1 final four years ago and now they're into Division 3. And like, I mean, you have Ronan McCarthy coming up. Now, Ronan McCarthy doesn't inspire me with confidence. If you're in a bit of a, a, a pickle, I don't want to be reading this um, necessarily to say we're getting out of the pickle. Now, there's obviously two ends to it. You know, the, the Cork plan got a bit of uh, criticism for this Cork, you know, the Cork arrogance and all that kind of thing. But I think Ronan McCarthy has gone the complete opposite. So he said... 
after this now this is after Cork going into Division 3 so I would imagine a manager would say geez, we need to bounce back we want to be coming straight back up to Division 2 we're better than that we started the league badly but we rallied towards the end and we're going to build on that we're getting straight Cork fans don't give up on this team we're going to come straight back up and be bloody bullish about it and tap into Cork confidence that's there and this team under my watch absolutely won't be spending more than a year down there Mead went down once and they came straight back up and Kildare and we'll be aiming to do the same so McCarthy says the notion that we're going to drop down into Division 3 and people are going to lie down and let us win matches that's, that's part of the problem if we think that we have to be patient and persevere and it will come right but look the world won't stop turning I'm sure Derry thought that when they went down to Division 3 it was as low as it could get uh, so I can't call that. It would be difficult to get out of it. But bottoming out, I don't know. So like he's not even admitting that they've bottomed out yet. You know what I mean? He's using the Derry example and it happened to Leash as well. It can happen. But yeah. surely to Christ, you're not going to even put that even notion into your yeah. players' heads after... after. I, I was bowled away by that... Uh, a Cork manager saying be careful now because we could go straight we could go down yeah. to Division 4 now as well what? What, what, what horrible examples to use like Derry and Leash like it, it couldn't get any lower than that like you know, no. that shouldn't even be on their radar not even in the no- thought process like I mean th- think about Jim Gavin there after that game they lost uh, last week you know it was like that's not good enough for Dublin you know, and that's the way it should be with Cork. Like, you know, this, this Division 3 isn't good enough for Cork, and these players need to look at themselves and whatever the coaches, whoever, and the board, and we're going to get straight back out of here. Like, maybe not say we're going to get promoted straight away, but just accept that Division 3 is not on for yeah. Cork. See, usually I'd be in, in favour of a manager being a realist, and it did happen to Derry and Leach, but at the same time, like, I mean, it ca- that cannot happen to Cork. Cork are at a higher level than Leach and Derry were when they went down. Yeah, look, when you go down, if you're. Uh, have experience of it myself. So when you went, when we were playing in Division Three, it was a case of like you're not you're not even considering the prospect of losing a match. It's you're always looking upwards and looking forward and saying, well, we are where we are. We're going to make the best of it and get on and win some matches. Like that's it. Um, so what did you? What were you saying when you went down? Well, for I suppose two, it's, like, it's a change. It was, yeah, it was a it? change in management as well. So um, it was Mick O'Dowd came in after uh, Banty finished up with us. So again, it's just a new. It was a new manager and a new process. So it's kind of different. I suppose it's different if you go down with a manager and then you're trying to Maybe. pick it up again. But um, no, I think look with, with the players that Cork have and the, the talent that they have, they, like they just need to get a proper strategy in place in terms of continuity of what's going on down there because it seems to me that they're they're losing too many players. They're trying to blood in a load of young players now who maybe aren't making their debuts in the league this year, are fairly inexperienced. They have to keep all of those guys into next year. Like if they start losing ten players off a panel you know you're starting in Division 3 and throwing lads into the Wolves there really because you're going to be up against hardened um, inter-county players from Loud from potentially from Loud from Down from Longford from Offaly like I mean it doesn't Derry coming up you know yeah, like, it's, it's a, a tough, tough division, division yeah it is a Derry tough tip Cork down <laughs> Jesus yeah that's the big one next year maybe so like, like I mean. the, the thing about it is there's no there's no easy games really in, in in any grade because you're there for a reason and if you're if you're losing players of experience of uh, of performance at that level or just even you know might, might be performance you want but certainly players that know what it's all about and are used to the volume of training that's required and have a certain level have the levels of fitness needed because it's an absolute slog and every team in the in the in division 3 certainly every team that's in that division is hitting that that's their championship 
Oh yeah, no, that's so, their championship. So game. they're really focusing on that from the previous October, November. Well, Cork need to make it their bloody championship to, yeah. and get out of there. They that's the to. reality of it. Even if they suffer in the championship, for Brian Hurley scored two great goals um, yesterday and then went off with a hamstring injury, and it's the same hamstring that he had two operations on. So that's horrific news for him. Hopefully, it's just a little strain and it's not a big deal because he's a. I'm a big fan of Brian Hurley. He's such a live wire and he's such a good player that it was great to see him getting the two goals and then obviously terribly, um, terrible bad news about the injury. Um, what about this Finton Kelly red, lads? Like, for me, this wasn't even a foul. Now, it like the, the, the footage was inconclusive to know if he used an elbow. It looked to me he used the shoulder. The camera angle didn't show any evidence of an elbow. They mentioned an elbow on League Sunday last night. I didn't see any elbow, so I don't know why they even mentioned elbow. The referee couldn't have seen it because it was a excellent diagonal ball, Brumachet. So the referee was on this side of it as well. Did you see any elbow, or like I mean, did this just look like a hit that happens in every game? I would, I didn't. I was surprised the play even would be stopped. Never mind, have a fella get a straight red. It was difficult to see it from from the camera angle. It's from behind Fintan Kelly, so it goes over his shoulder. Yeah. He's turning. To me, with the way the player went down. And if you're trusting how players go down and that they hold the right part of their body that contact is made with, we'll start with that caveat. But if if that is the case, Finton Kelly appeared to lead, I don't know if it was quite with an elbow, but certainly with a forearm. And he caught him and he caught the caught the Mayo player in the head. Now, if he had been if he didn't lead with his arm, um then there, there was nothing to see. So I can only assume that either a linesman has passed the information to the referee that he led with an arm and caught him high in the head. Yeah, we didn't see it. any cons- consultation process. If it yeah. was a linesman, I would say fair enough. The footage, the, the footage, in footage fairness impossible. to it, isn't, isn't clear. You would, need, you would need it to be shown from the other side. But in real side. time, it did just look like a shoulder, no? Like, it did, I mean, yeah. No, it just it did looked look, like he rattled yeah. him. Like, yeah. you know, did the player go down a bit sooner than it would have been for a shoulder? Like, like oh, he did. He immediately, behind. the player went down immediately holding his head. No, so. I even mean time-wise. Yeah. Like, you know, by the time his shoulder might have connected, it seemed like, the player went down before his shoulder would have hit him. Yeah, like that's I'm just looking at it from behind, and just like the way he went there, as soon as he went down, it seemed like his shoulder wouldn't even be at his yeah. face. Yet. Now, in, in, interestingly, James Horan mentioned that they got a red card, which they will be disappointed yeah. with, and he was on the right side of that. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Which would make me think that this was just a shoulder. Do you know? And I think it's very unfair on Fintan Kelly to but, even bring elbows well, into it. What, I, what I'd say is that if there is footage available. Um, and there was no contact with a forearm or an elbow, then hopefully it does get rescinded. It be rescinded, and we we'll um, know then. But yeah. look at if 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 the footage shows that he led with a forearm or an elbow, well then obviously he has to take his medicine. Yeah, exactly. So Graham Riley tweeted last night: um, Twelve years of playing Division Two with Mead, plenty of lows, but to be playing in Division One next year is incredible feeling. Three smiley faces up Mead, Division One. He's obviously forgotten the, the year in Division Three, Keen. That yeah. you, 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 <laughs> he, he must have forgot this. that year. Yeah. <laughs> Was he away travelling for that no, year? I think or he, he, well, no, I think he was playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he must be really happy with his with his role. Quickly now, we'll we'll mention a bit more about Mead in performance at the weekend. He seems he's a sub every day, and no player with as good as him would be happy with that. But whatever way it works, there's black cars, there's injuries. He gets on early all the time, so he's on at half time yesterday. Yeah, no, he came out. Look, he didn't have a great game yesterday. I suppose things just didn't fall for him. It was a, ge- a game where he could have had one three or one four after coming on, but just the way the moves broke down or he was on off the shoulder and didn't get the pass so it was a bit frustrating for him you could see him he was a bit frustrated with his teammates on a few occasions not getting the not getting the pass but he's a very dangerous player to have to bring into a game particularly 
if you take yesterday's game against Fermanagh, who had to open up and start, um, I suppose, committing more bodies to attack, and then you have his pace breaking, you know, on the counter attack and coming off the shoulder. But it probably is a role with the way the game has gone that maybe suits Graham Riley to be coming in for, you know, the last twenty minutes or for for the second half of a game when it's kind of opened up a little bit because the early stages of games they can either be really open or they can be really cagey and um, look maybe he's been carrying some injuries I'm not too I'm not too sure but yeah. um, but he's been making a reasonable impact in all the games even though I would say he's still not um, in the for, in in his top form, but he's a player that usually comes to life when the ground starts to harden up a bit more. Oh, so he would. I'd be expecting, um, and Mead will need it from him. Is a is a big Leinster championship from him. I think Mead's high intensity press and all that wouldn't necessarily suit him for seventy minutes. Correct, we know yeah. Graham Riley has no real interest in doing that. He'll do it, but he probably hates doing it. He's almost like yeah. leave. Like he's he's a, stri- he's a strike runner, really. Yeah, yeah, he's a strike runner, and he if if you're telling everyone to push up there, he'll switch off and he won't be on his man and he'll give away you know he'll let an easy kick out go to him and he'd be like you're ruining it on everybody else Graham do you know but that's my kind of yeah, reading well, on I, him and, that, and I think that's probably a reasonable comment in that when the game gets loose and it gets a bit frantic and the gaps start to appear yeah, and that's when the game loses its shape that's when he can become really dangerous because he is always I suppose he's always looking to get the dangerous side. He's now, ne- you yeah. know, he's always thinking about how can he get a score on the board or how can he hurt the opposition. So from that point of view, he's he's a brilliant impact player to have. Oh yeah, that's what I love about Graham Riley. He's waiting. He doesn't want to go in for a breaking ball. He's waiting for someone else to win the breaking ball, and then he's gone. And like I mean, there's a great value in that. But anyways. Um, maybe someday he'll forget he'll remember the year he spent in Division 3 with, with Keane <laughs> we'll come back and we'll talk about Tyrone and Galway I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey, Coffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So considering the conditions, lads, I thought this was a fantastic game. 315 to 114 is not what I was expecting beforehand. For some reason, for the last three or four weeks, we've had to deal with a gale force wind blowing down the field. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's happened. But it's always like, and you keep saying, well, you can't really read in too much to it because it's a strong wind. When are we going to start reading into anything because of this bloody wind? After the All-Ireland final. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought Tyrone were very smart. And we talked last Thursday, Keane, to play Cotton McShane inside on his own in the first half to keep the runners out around against the wind and then in the second half to put Maddie Donnelly in beside him and even Peter Hart was trying to get a bit closer Sludden was getting a bit closer and to use the wind and to use the long ball a lot more in the second half with the wind even though Galway had gone a lot more defensive so immediately while I'm paying close attention to Tyrone now because they're starting to excite me again they've showed flexibility and they've realised in that second half or in that first half we don't have to do the same thing as we did against Dublin because we're against the wind and Maddie Donnelly's better suited out around and carrying a bit of ball and holding on to it. And I think Tyrone just seemed to have their tactics kind of bang on now. Yeah, I think so. I think the the turning point, um, or when I when, certainly when I first started to see it, was their home game against Monaghan. 
they definitely introduced much more kicking into that game. And look, that was on the back of a poor start to the league campaign for them. So they had to reevaluate and say, you know, we need to do something here because if they if they continued um, trying to play the same way or doing the same things, they weren't going they weren't going to go anywhere. So they've had um, they've had a, a really good finish to their league campaign, really, um, and. There's an awful lot of positives to take from it, and they definitely, at, the, at from what we've seen at near the end of the league, they have the game now to challenge any team, you know, including Dublin, with the with the the running game that they have, which we know is fantastic, and then they have dangerous ball winners now up front. I think McShane was really really impressive, um, actually in difficult conditions against Galway, you know, in the first this, half particularly. This is Kieran Donaghy esque the impact this lad's yeah, making. The catch for the penalty was like the Donaghy catch against Longford. Remember when he started? Like yeah. this like this was like Evan O'Carroll catch. This was like spectacular. And the ball had travelled so far. And uh, Sean yeah, Andy O'Callaghan is no mug. And like, I mean, all these things. Like this lad's, this lad's making an impact on Tyrone similar to what Donaghy did to, for Kerry. Yeah, his, his movement is really good. He can, he can win it out in front. He's, he's making clever de- kind of lateral runs that, you know, that the, the lads are hitting him across field passes. He's well able to compete for it when it comes in in the air. And he's shown that he has a good skill level off both left foot and right. Yeah. You know, a lovely solo dummy on his left foot to get a score. You know, so he's just, he's um, he's doing a lot of really, really good things. And he's, I suppose he's maybe a victim at times of being, because he's such a good all-rounder, you know, Throne have probably tried to get him into the game in loads of different positions, playing him wing forward. Or he could yeah. be playing anywhere for them. And it's great to have that versatility. But sometimes you need to just have a position that you play, that you can get a run of games in, that you can kind of understand how you, how, how you can help the team on a consistent basis rather than moving around positions. So he's um, he's actually almost like getting a new player for Throne. I know he has played in there at times in the past, but to get a consistent run where they're yeah. actually using him. Like using him, he's yeah, been in there. The he's been in there in the past and they, they yeah. continue to run the ball. And he's, I don't think he's yet the type of player like a Jack McCarron or he's McManus not a looper, no. that comes around on the loop and can score from distance. Now, he's able to do that, but probably not as proficient at it as he is at being a first phase ball winner. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, I mean, to put McGeary on Michael Daly and to put Hamsey on Shane Walsh and in the first half, like, I mean, they're two good man markers but at the same time because of Tyrone's tactics and they're pressing a little bit further up the field they were left a little bit open but that's the game that you play now Tyrone and I think it suits you and just because Hamsey got a little bit of a roasting off Shane Walsh in the first half I thought Michael Daly and Shane Walsh ran the show in the first half Yeah and what was the Tyrone rack-up was it 7 points 8 points in the first half like against that wind and Galway only got 1 and then 1 at the very end of the game you know when they were going for goals so Tyrone were very effective whatever way they were set up and they were playing the ball earlier and yeah, like I, I think the defenders we've always talked about Tyrone's defenders being good enough. Yeah. They hold these boys like is an all star, he's class. Like yeah. McKernan when he comes back. Like they have these boys to really like hold defenders out and when they're playing the ball in early then it's going to suit them more. It just suits them so much better. Like it's not part we've mentioned this before, it's not part of the Tyrone DNA to turn your back and retreat away from the action. Like the famous clip of the Kerry thing in two thousand and three where they just completely rattle Kerry to the point that we'd never seen that level of intensity before that level of get me that ball back I'm ravenous for it and then to just like tell those players here actually they're all retired now but say (laughs) we don't want that lads we want you to allow them to build out as slowly as you can and go back in there and wait for them that's not Tyrone 
Like, I mean, I think this suits them so much better because the obvious difference is the ball into McShane and Donnelly in to help him. I think Donnelly being full-time with him on Leicester against a strong win. That was smart. And like, I mean, okay, I'm giving it credit for being smart. For me, it's not that smart. But at the level we see from some managers, it was it was smart. But it's the it's the it's the pairing off all over the field. That's the most. That's the biggest difference, nearly for me, with Tyrone. Yeah, look, it's uh, and the thing is, against most opponents, or well, really against against all opponents, Tyrone have the right mix of players in their defence to match up against most teams. They have guys with pace. They have guys with strength. They have McNamee there, who's a tough customer at fullback. Like so, they have they have a right mix of players. Um, you know, to come up to kind of get their matchups right against most teams, or certainly that they're going to be very competitive against most teams. Like there's there's no players there really that I would consider to be a weak link within the Tyrone defence. That you're thinking, oh, they don't have a match up here for for these for these you know for these players. So I think what that's done is it, it's given confidence to their players further up the field that they they maybe can trust them a little bit more and they can start playing their own game to a certain yeah. extent rather than what you're saying which is retreating back Interestingly is is Colm Kavanagh continued his own role yeah, I, that won't work in this no. new system because you're giving them a free man to create an overlap it's going to cause problems and I, I, I can see this being ironed out if Mickey Hart doesn't want to fix it the players are going to say to themselves Colm your man's caused an overlap it's ruining us if we are paired off one by one it's a riskier mm. game obviously we know that because if one man beats his man well then two or three defenders have a decision to make. Do you back off him or do you go to him? Now, it's it's not uh, fatal. You can still do it. Like, it's been done for years where good defenders will maybe go and come back and maybe scare your man into making a pass when, you know what I mean? There's You can still defend against it. It just makes it more difficult. And you often hear conversations at halftime in matches. Lads, they're breaking from midfield. They're killing us on the overlap. You know, like, and players are shouting this in the dressing room at each other. So I can see the players fixing this cabinet thing because I can't see that working long term in this new system. Could he play six? There's a couple of times where he turned the ball over around the 45 and he's yeah. just so aggressive around the middle anyway. And he, you know, you should be using him sometimes when you need to stop a goal. Like, you know, then he can drop back in that situation or yeah. double up. Like, you, could he play he there? He can play in a holding yeah, like th- six, yeah. No, well, I, th- I think with Kavna, it's going to be about him. He's He's just really back into it. It's about him evolving slightly from what he's been doing over the last number of years because he's going to have to he can't like there were, there were occasions in the first half where he was standing back in on on his own 21 yard line and there was no one anywhere near him yeah. and Galway were passing the ball around and then they'd work it to a handy shot 30-40 metres out and like What's he doing in there? Well, that, and we, against the wind he was, so Galway could yeah. shoot from distance. So, so he wasn't so, really. So he wasn't doing enough there. Now, look, that's just that's one particular incident. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's other occasions where he was stepping out into into good defensive positions, and he is a clever player. So I, I think that if Tyrone have changed, which to me they it looks like they have, I think he will evolve his game slightly because yeah. I think he'll realise himself and like that players will put that they'll sort that out amongst themselves. I think because I think. There will be times in the game where he's going to have to drop back and, and block those gaps. And, you know, if a, if a defender gets slipped, he's there to do it. He's there to block it out. But when the play gets slowed up, he needs to press back out again. There's no point in him standing in there effectively doing nothing while all his while, while his teammates are, are trying to press the ball. So yeah. there, a bit of refinement will be needed. And it's really only in his particular role. But he's, he is so good at covering gaps and getting in these last-ditch tackles that I'm sure he'll... 
he'll find the nuanced way to get it, get it done properly. Yeah. See, my theory is that Colin Kavanagh decided this role himself. I don't. I might be wrong. Oh, I don't I think, think he was given this. I, I think, think he yeah. he started doing this, and I think he started going well with it. And I think Mickey Hart. I think the Mickey Hart's message, Colin Kavanagh. I could be wrong in this. This is not fact. Is go out and play your own game, Colin. Decide yourself when you need when you think there's trouble. Go back. So that's a difficult one. If that's been the message from Mickey Hart, Colin Kavanagh, say, Colin, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to use your own uh, kind of instinct as when to go back. I don't want you to go back at all. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Unless your man is completely no yeah. threat. It was easier Sorry, to do that when I, I, there were 14 players back. Yeah, yeah. I think the game has, because the game has kind of moved towards, um, back towards more attacking play, I would say, or certainly there's more talk now about how teams are using the ball as opposed to how they set up defensively. That that Even that switch in terms of how games are being covered, a lot of the media coverage is now about, you know, attacking and working the ball and, and kick passing the ball and stuff like this. That seeps into players' mentality as well over time. That there's a, there's a certain, uh, I suppose, message being spun. You know, when Donegal won, there was the copycat thing, and everybody was doing it. It's flipping on its head a little bit now, where we're starting to get back to seeing probably more balanced football, where there's more, where there is a little bit more emphasis on attack, and players themselves will move towards that and I think Kavanagh's role was almost like he felt he needed to be doing it I think that'll slightly change it'll have to because he won't be you know they'll be doing their video work after certain games and if he's standing back in there people are his teammates are going to be pointing that out and saying look you're standing in there doing nothing while we're all chasing around here we're either pressing the ball as a group yeah or we're not. We can't press with 14. Yeah, we can't do it if you're standing back there doing nothing. You need to get out and press this midfielder because he's... Dic- like You can't stand there while Brian Fenton is dictating the play from the middle of the field. Yeah, We don't want Matty Donnelly to have to come back to Mark Fen- uh, Fenton because we need him up front so when we get it we can hurt Dublin. Exactly. That's what, And that's what'll happen. Exactly. Galway played some good stuff with the wind. Now it was a strong wind. Like, I mean, they... They had a great ending to the half and they destroyed uh, Morgan on his kickouts. They destroyed them and for however they, try, they were able to do it, they were kicking points from play and then having Morgan in all sorts of trouble on his kickout after from play. Now I could understand Shane Walsh got one from a free and they destroyed his next kickout on the press but they were destroying his kickout after points from play which is very unusual because goalkeepers usually are so fast at getting that out and from play... Galway must have all decided to move up the whole way. It's yeah. hard to tell on television because there was the Shane Walsh uh, scored a point um, and then the Morgan kicked it out. This was a point from play and that led to a Heaney point. Then Morgan went long for the next one and Michael Daly got a point. Galway won it. Then Walsh got, then straight from the Daly uh, kick out, Walsh got a point, uh, another point from an aggressive press. Then Garrett Bradshaw got another one from an aggressive press. And all the time, these were points from play most of them and all the time Morgan's coming out putting the ball on the ground and looking around and he's at a stalemate he only went long with one he went to a wing he went short and they were intercepted on points and number one Morgan must have been too slow coming out with his kick out or else Galway couldn't have had that brilliant press another thing you're playing against a strong wind when there's an aggressive press and you're against a strong wind why go to a wing back or a short to a 45 you're screwing yourself over if a turnover comes from that you're gone. You're, you, you're straight in on goal. If you go long to midfield and he's a booming kick out and we explain this all the time. You've all your six backs in their positions. You can't be caught cold. What is the reward? Even against a strong wind you're going to your wing back who's going to be marked immediately. What's the benefit of that? Yeah, there is now, no benefit. See this is the copycat stuff lads right. So now all the press up 
is in fashion now because Dublin do it uh, Donegal famously did it against against Thing so the press up is grand and we were talking recently on the show I think it could have been a Thursday is in that aggressive press up is fine and consistent with Jim Gavin's philosophy James Horn's philosophy and attacking managers it's completely inconsistent with uh, other defensive teams philosophies because if you're if you see so much value in, in being really aggressive from the kick out why doesn't that follow through to other phases of play why turn and retreat then you know it doesn't it doesn't really follow through but here's the point about the kick outs so all these kickouts are in vogue now because Cluxton does them. Cluxton could give it to Jack McCaffrey, who's got incredible pace, athleticism, and they'll work it out. Every team can't do what Dublin do working it out the field. Dublin are a phenomenon. Even the best running teams in the country, like Tyrone, can't put it up to Dublin. So when Stephen Cluxton will tap it, even under a, a, an aggressive press, even though he will tap it to Keane O'Sullivan, and they will trust themselves to work it down the field... That doesn't mean that every feckin' team in the whole country can trust themselves to work it down the field under that pressure. Everyone's not Dublin. So why not lamp it to the middle and, and be, less, be less risky than tapping it, kicking it to a wing back underneath the stand and you're under pressure against the wind? Sure, there's no logic in my head to that. And the only reason they're doing it, lads, is because it's all copycat stuff. It's all copycat it's all copycat. They're copying Stephen Cluxton, even though they don't. They're not able to do what Dublin do. Dublin are a phenomenon. Cluxton has ice in his veins. He'll tap it to Johnny Cooper under the most intense pressure, and they'll end up working it up the field. So when everybody sees, oh well, Dublin retrain it from their kicker. Dublin, if you think you can start copying du- what Dublin do, then you're living in cloud cuckoo land. Well, I, I don't even know if Dublin do it to the extremes there. Like, Cluxton is quite pragmatic as well. Like, he doesn't, if he's playing against a very strong breeze and he doesn't have a 100%, um, you know, option short, he, he, he goes, he, he clears the lines and he goes out to his midfielders. Like, that's what he does, or he hits a runner. Like and then they get under the brakes and they battle for it. Like Dublin, Dublin do mix it up. You know, whenever they're whenever Cluxton is going short, more often than not, it's to an it's to an uncontested player. It's a banker, yeah. It's a banker standing on the edge of the D because the opposition aren't pressing up on them. So it'll be very interesting to see now with this with it becoming more in vogue with teams really pressing up even against Dublin. It'll be interesting to see. Like Cluxton, a lot of the time, the reason he's able to get off these kickouts you know, tapping them ten yards is because he's so quick out with the with the with the with the football after a score. Um I don't know what the delay was with, with Morgan, but he certainly had a couple of them. But I mean, in all reality, if you're playing against a very strong breeze and you're on goals, what is the panic? Like you should be taking as long as you can <laughs> yeah, over the yeah. kick out. You should then be uh, if if there's nothing on short because the opposition has pressed up, particularly after conceding a few scores, like it's his brain was scrambled because you know he was taking he was getting out with the ball, giving it away, score, giving it away, score, giving it like he should have been going right. I'll slow this one down. I'm going to clear the lines. I'm going to put it out over the half back line, maybe out to the wing in the middle of the field. If they win it there, they're they're going to have to have at least three to four passes to be able to get a score. We have all our players in defensive positions not making runs here there and everywhere yeah. like if half backs are making runs for short kickouts if they don't win the ball they're gone because they're not marking their man no. like you see it all the time when when you have when you organize it properly on the opposition's kickout it's the easiest way to get scores you get all your players in your, in your positions in your zones make the opposition kick it to a contest and i love to see cornerbacks and wingbacks making all these runs here there. I love it because I know when we win the ball I'm free 
<laughs> yeah. I'm free. It's going to be a handy score if we get the ball. That's why they do zonal, yeah. We discussed that before with Dublin, wasn't it? Kilkenny in the other and final when he just stayed zonal yeah. and it came straight to him Players unmarked. Players running towards you as well. Like, you that know. was the thing, yeah. But it, it, look, it's, it's definitely a weird one and it's definitely a case of if you're against the wind, a manager telling him, if they have an aggressive press on, Forget about this standing over because yeah. it, it also adds panic throughout your team. You're, you're not calm. You're going and then you're stopping and you're putting your hands out. Get it out the field and we'll defend it and we'll, we'll try and win the ball back out there. Like, I mean, I, I genuinely, and I took Kevin McStay's point last night, but it's not something we haven't spoken about before. It was funny... Kevin McStay talking about starting a debate when Tomás O'Shea didn't debate with him at all. Like, I mean, I thought there was going to be a, an argument for and against. It wasn't a debate. It was just Kevin McStay has been pointing out something that's very obvious. Like, I mean, it's it's ridiculous that you would be given away. Sure, this happened. This has happened long before. Sure, back when I was playing, every kick out was an aggressive press because there was no such thing as. Yeah. And you'd be saying to your goalkeeper, "Drive it out." Yeah, get it out there, mm. Jesus! Don't put me in that position again. If a goalkeeper tried to come wing back to me, I played wing back all my career until I was, well until I was twenty three, and he tried to come back, come to me, and suddenly when I get the ball into my hand, I'm being hit with shot. I said, "Don't do that to me again, buddy." Yeah. You'd be saying, "Get it out." Well, particularly because if you're playing wing back and you get the ball, your back is to the play. Yeah, you don't know. You have to turn. You, you have to turn, and all of a sudden you could be swarmed by three men. So it's it's a it's a difficult place to get out of. It has to be there has to be a benefit, obviously, to playing it short. And there's no benefit if you're losing the ball on your own 45 or you have your players out of def- good defensive position. So, look, it was an interesting one from McStay, but he had a great weekend to point out all of the goalkeeping <laughs> flaws. It was just perfect. Yeah, but it I, didn't, the I, narrative yeah, well. I, I didn't <laughs> like the point that he was making that, like, Began's not a bad shot stopper. He just would made a balls of that. You know, I, uh, it was well, almost like McStay was trying to paint a picture that he's there for his kickouts and he's not good at much else. Like, you know, I'm, I'm that, not yeah. sure about that. Well, look, at the, ob- Morgan, the obvious strength of, of, of their games is that they're, they're kicking is their long kicking is very proficient yeah. but mean, that's a prerequisite now for yeah, goalkeepers like Be- Be- Began on a number of occasions has shown that he's not a fantastic goalkeeper I mean, look Stephen Cluxton's not a yeah. fantastic shot they stopper really flaws. either I mean like he he didn't cover himself in glory with the goal against Tyrone two weeks ago I mean that was fairly poor but on occasions they're, they're capable of making really good saves and one on one for a goalkeeper like it's fairly difficult like David Clark is the opposite he's probably the best in terms of his goalkeeping skills and smothering these shots close to goal yeah. um, but you know there's Graham other facets Brody. of his game Graham Brody, don't forget Graham <laughs> oh, Brody. Graham Brody's the ultimate he's kicking points and everything he's yeah. like a cat in that goal so he is he's actually incredible I have another there's lots of good different talking points here lads um, like I mean uh, Kyle Coney's diagonal ball to McShane towards the end was absolutely lovely and the, the, the diagonal ball that Throne gave in has been worked on a lot but it's from the Maddie Donnelly goal now this was a very interesting passage of play and Galway kind of have themselves to blame but this has worked for Galway before so Galway sat back on their lead basically and I actually thought have to say this instead of going on hindsight oh that was the wrong thing because Tyrone won at half time I would have seen no way back for Tyrone because I've seen Galway doing it before they'll just choke out the game they'll get a few breakaway points with Shane Walsh and you know they'll get a couple of frees and Tyrone will not I, I was amazed Tyrone got back in that game when, you know, if, if I had been watching it live, I would have seen no way back um, for Tyrone. But anyways, so for the Donnelly goal, Galway won a kick out. 
Tomás Flynn on 43 minutes and 47 seconds. I rewound this, right? They kept possession until 47 seconds and 47 minutes and 13 seconds. So three and a half minutes. So you almost have to speed it up. It was the most boring passage of play ever. They were trying to frustrate uh, Tyrone, right? So it was over and back over and back over and back and Tyrone changed tack a little bit in this point that a lot of men back behind the ball and it wasn't until Peter Hart and Sludden started going out on them and saying feck this they're holding on to the ball for nearly three and a half minutes here this is embarrassing and actually got out that they forced that that, uh, that turnover but Galway's tactics of trying to run down the clock in the second half ended up uh, kind of costing them that's amazing. That's a great stat. I didn't realise it was that. You don't realise this time's going by. Like, no, that. So no do, you know, do you know why I rewound it? Because I was watching it and I was going, oh, for God's sake, this is... Like, <laughs> I was actually thinking of forwarding it because I was about 20 minutes behind on the Galway. I had to pause the thing anyways. And I was actually watching it knowing I had the option to pause. And Galway were so boring. I was like, well, I forward it. And then as I started forwarding it a bit, I realised, Jesus, they have this for ages. I must rewind it now and see, it and see how long it was. That's bizarre. And like, to be honest, though, like, p- passing that ball to Lavelle, like, it was a bad pass as it was. It was a very bad pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, hung, he hung the keeper out to dry yeah. big time there. Yeah, now, I know did. Lavelle probably didn't cover himself in glory. Maybe he could have, look, he, he could have taken Donnelly out or he could have lunged towards the ball and maybe got a fist on it. But yeah, look, it was just, he was he was static and Donnelly was on the move and it, oh, the pass just killed him, really. Yeah, every time every time players see a keeper, for some reason they feel like they have to pass it to him. Like, I don't mind a keeper coming out as, as an extra man and maybe running on overlap and taking another man away, but they always try to give it to him. And then when they saw Lavelle, it's like, here you go. Like, and he wasn't on really yeah so there was loads of excitement then like I mean Peter Hart obviously had another chance off the outside of his left which put the oh, ball yeah. into an empty let and that was really exciting at that stage because Galway see this is the thing the joy you can get out of pressing a team that are against the wind like we've said it before it's an impossible task playing against that wind you would only love the opposition to retreat off you go back into the 45 while you play on the outside of them sure that's just wasting yeah. down the clock like, isn't it so illogical, some of the things that would have gone on? So it's when Tyrone started putting a lot of pressure on them then, Galway started making mistakes because it's not easy to play against a wind like that. So they obviously got the Peter Hart goal attempt. I think he should have scored that. I actually thought Donnelly's was a difficult... OK, maybe not difficult when he took the touch. If he hadn't taken the touch on the turn it would have been difficult Peter Hart should be sticking that in an empty net no? It would have been amazing if he had of it I think Jeez. There was no one in there like I mean you only have to get it on target there 50, 50 yards out Keen. Do you think Keen? <laughs> think it was a bad miss <laughs> top level a, a bad, player a bad miss people, yeah. people yeah. would think it's pe- an empty net an empty net now I, maybe we should it was with the wind against it I'd say it was uh, fair enough but with the wind you basically you just he was in the middle of the, Look, the pitch it, it wouldn't be a bad miss at Junior D but it's a bad miss at Stephen <laughs> County. it's a bad miss for Peter Hart who has a yes, wand of a left exactly, foot right? yeah. he'll put it down as a bad a bad miss the Danny Cummins we talked about Niall Morgan a bit but he was terrible goalkeeping for Danny Cummins and I have to say your man O'Lee who I've uh, I think is a good player he took a huge hit from Ronan McNamee and I, most players would have gone down but he ended up going for a point miss kicking it and Danny Cummins should not be scoring a goal in there like I mean there's no possible way that he absolutely should and he could have had another goal then where O'Lee took another yeah, miss very hit shortly shot. after it, yeah. <laughs> another miss hit shot from the very same people and Morgan was in, in all over the place so I don't know I give Tyrone uh, very good marks for for pulling that out of the fire yeah, no, they did. They deserve credit. They were seven down at half time and they won by seven, I think. So, look, that's that's a fairly impressive turnaround. Um, Galway were doing a lot of good things as well. I mean, they were. Their, their first half performance at times was very good. Um, 
you know they did it they were still well organised and did it, some good things in the second half unfortunately for them it was mistakes that killed them you know it was sort of we'll call it, it was, I know there was pressure on from Tyrone but to concede the goal to Matty Donnelly in the manner that they did um, was not good and then the the penalty goal as well because if you look at the if you look at it, the footage of it I mean there's about five or six I think there's five Galway defenders and McShane in behind them all and it, look at Soft Brilliant enough pass. Pe- soft enough penalty, was it? When McShane had caught Look, it. Look, it was accidental from uh, Owen Curran coming back. It was accidental, but how many times do we say it, Willie? You know, when these defenders are running back towards their own goal, they panic. <laughs> he uh, he just got too close to McShane. McShane stepped across him. I mean, he had to he had to just, you know, sort of let McShane take the step past him. He didn't. He made contact with him and he, he tripped him. Step penalty. Yeah, no, exactly. Michael Daly was impressive enough in the first half. Like, it's good for him to be back from a Galway point of view. Uh, wearing 14, but playing out in the half forward line. Galway played a two-man full forward line. Danny Cummins and Anton O'Lee, they were the two. So similar enough shapes. Anyways, like, Galway aren't overly defensive. I think they'd be disappointed. I think Tyrone pressing them in the second half messed them up. It was 3-8 to 3 points in the second half to Tyrone. And, like, yeah. I mean, Tyrone are getting so much joy out of this new new system. Like, I'd say they're their supporters are looking thinking how do we ever defend the way we used to play yeah. I'd say the players most importantly are probably thinking that because yeah. now that's, that's Dublin and Galway two of the best teams to the league finals last year and they've made both of them look very human like yeah. you already see them making mistakes and you see that high ball like the last goal it's just a you know Lavelle feels like it has to come out Sean Andy O'Kelly's not having a good game just panic in the area just a high ball in and it breaks and it's another goal yeah. you're making these great teams look Bang average. Yeah, exactly. Right, so good stuff from Tyrone, decent stuff from Galway. Um, that's that. We'll be back with Paddy Power Performance of the Weekend. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay it was great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you Power performance of the weekend. Uh, first up is Jack McCarran. Um, sensational. Just you know, he was on it, and I think consistency is his issue. The first looping point um, was absolutely a beautiful thing. If you want technically how you loop around a player and score a point, yeah. it doesn't get any better than that. And even the layoff to him, it was just like so obvious that this is worked on by Monaghan, and no one was in any doubt what's supposed to happen here, and you just lay it off. Um, he scored some great array of points even an unbelievable point with his right foot which I didn't yeah. think he even had in his armoury have to say Conor McManus scored a point in the second half which almost was so unbelievable I don't know how he did it now you'll talk about his point against Tyrone last year in the championship I've never seen a point I don't know if I've ever seen a point as good as this so his back is to the goals he's coming back out on his wrong side so he just jinks back he doesn't know where he is in relation to the goal. There's a man on him. He's trying to be blocked down. In the blink of an eye, he dropped that on his foot and he curled that from his wrong side. Now, so if you add up, didn't really know his positioning. If you had that shot 10 times from that angle, you would be doing well to get four out of 10, five out of 10. Well, I would anyways. So he did it in the blink of an eye on a turn, not knowing where he was with a man trying to block him. It's all, what that man does is almost beyond belief. 
Yeah. You know the, you know the I'm, point I'm talking well, about? Yeah, I do. And I remember watching it and thinking it was just sensational. How did he even do uh, it? Very few players would, would reach the goals you know, from it, it was a, it was a standing position. So as you as you've described, he's he's moving away from the goal. He puts the brakes on. He swivels, and from a standing position with the defender basically directly in front of him, he just almost clips the ball over to be able to generate the the power and the strike and to know where he was. Yeah, just everything about it was magnificent. Like he had to make the decision in in such a short space of time. Like Brendan Harrison on him, who's a good Harrison. defender, but the speed he dropped the ball to his foot because if he if he if he hadn't dropped the ball to his foot that fast, he's oh, going yeah. to get blocked down. So all this is happening in his head in a split second, and he scored that point. <laughs> Like I mean, uh, yeah, like the angle was ridiculously tight as well. The wrong side, you know, under that pressure, you know, you have to take weather conditions. Like this isn't Croke Park with a brand new O'Neill's football on a summer's day either. You know, it's down in Castlebar with the wind probably howling, and he's he's taking it from the wrong side. Look, it was just everything about it was just ridiculously yeah. ridiculously good. But he is, he's one of these players that has been scoring points that are worth the entrance fee alone yeah. into a game and he's, he's been the, doing it so often he's like. the best I've ever seen from that side so that's not his wrong side like, no, you I mean, was going to say I don't think it is like, remember against uh, Neil McGee in the Ulster final that time and he scored two from that wing and like, it was being really murkily tight and double marked on one of them You see, like that's what makes it more unbelievable sometimes when Monaghan miss frees from that side and he's not hitting him it's like just just let Conor McManus hit them. He puts them over from the wing with somebody trying to block him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that I, to be honest, which if you're to look back at that point again, it's nearly you'd be in disbelief as to how he scored mm-hmm. it. Right when you add in all the different factors together, but I don't know whether we should be surprised when it comes when it comes to him. Michael Cassidy, lads, not a player I knew too much about. A big lump of a fella, wing back for Tyrone. Two points from play. The second point he scored was out of this world underneath the stand. Now, he was uh, uh, with the wind. The pass for the penalty, he put that in. Now, is Mickey Hart looking at players who, want, who will fit into this new system of his, you know, that are, are good off the boot and want to actually kick it down? Because Mickey Hart made a comment recently, kicking long kick passes does not, is not part of our DNA. I disagree. Hart, Sludden, all these lads are able to give those lovely little tasty balls. This lad can give another booming one if you want, like if Aidan O'Rourke from Armagh back in the day or Tommaso Schaefer, Kerry, off the outside of the boot from the right half-back position, give it the diagonal into McShane. Let's, like, Ronan Clark used to benefit from the Aidan O'Rourke ones or Donaghy from O'Shea. Lovely little tactic. If this, if this is why Cassidy's on the field, he's a booming kick. Yeah, he played well. Um, again, like yourself, haven't seen too much of him. Got two really, really good scores. Um, and he's he's active in the game. Like he buzzes around a lot. Yeah. He, he's a strong ball carrier as well, which obviously is very important with the way Tyrone play. But um, he's he good strike of the ball. I mean, like he the the scores he got were the first one. You know, in the first half, difficult kick into the wind. One he got in the second half was sensational score from out on the wing, and then to be able to deliver that ball. I know wind assisted, but nonetheless. To be able to deliver the ball where he wanted to from that distance is is a is an important skill. Yeah, definitely, and it was an unbelievable. It was Carl McShane. So, like, I mean, all the different things he he did in the game, like the last point of the left was, you know, very impressive to have that composure, like the catch, the spectacular catch for the penalty. Like, I mean, there's so many different things. The the mayhem he caused 
for the goal, the mm. last goal. Like, I mean, that was just another ball. But this lad, he's got he's, this aura maybe creating around him now that Lavelle f- felt he had to come out and help his full back because this lad has him up in knots. Look, th- th- this lad is just... Uh, I can't believe a player that I thought was an all-saran has become such a good <laughs> yeah. player. Genuinely, I don't want to disrespect him by saying all-saran, but I just thought, meh, what is he? No, good. And it feeds into what Keane was saying. They were just trying him in different positions and he was filling in where it was necessary to fill in. So yeah. he probably never got a run again. He take his man on if you want he's a big fella like I mean he's, he's the subtlety of a forward yeah. but he's got the, a battering ram and I didn't I did not think he was as good a fetcher as that because those balls they're not really midfield fetching balls they're bloody hard balls yeah. only, I've only seen Donaghy to catch them uh, regularly yeah on a consistent basis yeah no, so it's a totally different flight on the ball when it's being kicked from the hand yeah, from that distance yeah, the speed yeah. on it just makes it difficult yeah. to catch and you, you have to mark that from behind do you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. that means he's winning ball in front of them when that ball's not coming in, so he's just going for ball in the chest. Like, you know, but you have to stay behind as a fullback, and then he's he's getting out in front then and winning sort of handier balls. So it's a real dilemma for fullbacks. Yeah, no, it definitely is. So he's in it. I can see him featuring in it again. Like I mean, because he really has his tail up. Um, James McEntee. 1-1 one, one from midfield um, Keane and like I mean his new midfield role oh, from wing back oh is he wing back yeah. he's, he seems to be picked and don't tell me he's been in wing back the whole league when he's been playing no no Shane McEntee is playing midfield oh, you're mixing McEntee. them up oh, yeah. right okay so she's Shane McEntee then sorry yeah so J- James James was brilliant again uh, from wing back like he's very very strong runner and really he's he's me one of Mead's top men along with probably Donald Keoghan in the half back line um, Killian O'Sullivan in the half forward line just in terms of running power ball carrying ability to break the line and he's actually one of Mead's most important attacking players really particularly in the league so far with a lot of teams dropping bodies back he's the, he's the man that can break the line for Mead and, and really cause problems and he was instrumental again against Fermanagh, particularly in the first half when Fermanagh were were on top and were, were dominant in the game and Mead were struggling to get out against the wind you know it's it's they, they nearly hold the ball up and wait for a time when you can have James McEntee and Killian O'Sullivan up the field enough and then they can do a little bit of interchange break or break through. the line and one coming off the other and then they can they can break the line and get through and he was crucial in the first half winning freeze and breaking the line then the second half again um, got a really good goal coming on to I think he came off Brian McMahon at the time so really good performance from him and um, he's a hugely important player for Mead Yeah the column Nally influence so like I mean the talk now is that Nally has taken over from uh, Andy McEntee this year and he's doing a lot of the football. Like, I mean, do you have any information on that or do you have any information on what changes maybe he's made or from, from the evidence of what you've seen? Is, there, is this aggressive press and this more of an attacking style a, a little bit down to Colm Nally? Well, I think that definitely the, the intensity with which they're playing is is mirrored in the way that they've been training from what I'm hearing is that all of Nally's training is very much uh, high intensity um, match based scenario based stuff so they're doing they're, they're training very very hard and me they're in like excellent physical condition they're finishing all their games really really strongly definitely a lot stronger than every team they've played this year in that, in that area of it and that's what look that's the reality that's the level that they needed to get to if they want to be competing in Division 1 and competing well in the summer so because it's a similar group of players to last year that weren't performing that well and then Nally comes in this year and they're playing much better football and you know more yeah, well, I, more, I, more aggressive mead football would that be fair? Yeah that? I think so I think that they've they, you know they probably toyed with the idea of trying to steady the ship and play a bit more of a defensive game 
but a lot of those players have continued to develop um, physically through just sticking at it, you know, the, another year's training under their belt. So they've all developed physically in terms of their, their physical size, their you know, their fitness levels. Like, as far as I'm aware, the Mead players were basically at their at their championship fitness at the start of the league campaign this year, you know, on the basis of their tests and stuff like that. So th- that gives you an indication and they're going to continue to develop on that because they've... They've now got the the reward of getting up to Division One, which means every player that's there is going to want to be involved next season, and you're going to have more players in Mead, guys that maybe have stepped away now that they're back in the big time. Will will see that, geez, this is going somewhere. Like I want to get involved as well. So I think that it was crucial for me to get up this year because if they didn't get promoted this season, I think um, I think the management would have stepped aside and everything because you know they weren't getting anything for all the work they were putting in. So um, very very important, and they're. they're without a doubt going very much in the right direction yeah. in, in all areas of what they're doing OK that's great stuff uh, Shane Walsh was unmarkable in the first half some of his points he got three from playing the first half at least and he got a boom and free kick which we've come to expect you're marking Hamsey who's bloody well mm. able to wrap lads up and you're making Hamsey look very ordinary let's yeah. be honest now Hamsey slipped one time um, for one of his scores but it's, it's just effortless for Shane Walsh like I mean he took he took another free with his left and Anton Lee looped around him like, almost like looking to make eye contact because he's a left footer and Walsh wasn't entertaining yeah. him at all. Like, I mean, he li- he, he, he's able to take the freeze off both, off both, both, uh, both feet. But he's been a one constant for Galway and he's had an impressive league and he's shown a bit of leadership without Dacoma or without Ian Burke or without Brannigan and all these. He's played played all the league games and he's consistently been playing well yeah and that's it and he's going to get better with those boys coming in and the hamster slip is it was, like psychologically it's good as well because you have like Tyrone's best defender and he's on his arse and you're running on past him and putting it over like the work he goes through is unbelievable like a lot of people do that work but then they don't have that sort of drive at the end to get that end product like where he's always seemingly bursting for the last 10 metres as well to get past somebody else yeah well I think uh, Walsh has definitely Im- improved over the last number of seasons in terms of the added physicality he has brought to it because uh, I, you know, the criticism I would have had with him in previous seasons was that he would, you know, do all of his sidestepping and shimmy in, in front of the defender, but he wasn't actually going past many players. It was only when it opened up for him that he was he'd accelerate through it. Whereas now, I mean, he looks like he's he has a confidence in his own strength and physical power that he's able to break the tackle. And, and even when there's a guy in close contact or making physical contact with him, like Hamzy was, he's happy enough that he can still drive through and shrug them off. You know, and that's a, that's a complete different dimension to him. And and if he does that again on a consistent basis throughout the championship, like good and all as he has been you know at times in previous seasons I mean that takes his game to a whole new level if he's physically you know breaking through the tackle as opposed to trying to always evade the tackle to get through Yeah his turn of pace is out of control so Dean Rock got uh, 9 points 5 4 from play including 1 mark um, I think Dean Rock weirdly needed that good game isn't that a weird thing to say because he's been taken off a good bit during the league and Costello then will go on the freeze and Costello was in such good form I think Dean Rock just maybe needed to steady the ship and for yeah. for all-star top 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 level players like he is he'll just say there you go now that's closure on that league with a good game and now I, you know what I mean it's amazing how you can just put a, a patchy league behind you with a good performance and psychologically go here I go now. Here's championship time now. I'm back. Yeah, it really seemed that they were like 
trying it out without him, didn't it? Because there is no room for Costello and Rock, I don't think, once you add in... No, like I don't Callahan, think so either. Mannion, Kilkenny, like all the boys. You know, so it did seem like they were trying to see how would Costello go without him and how would he go on the freeze, but yeah, it's just, it's just a really good marker to lay down for Rock and... I don't think he can go without him in the championship. No, I don't think so either. So Kevin McLaughlin, 2-2. Now, it's hard to tell off the highlights last night whether McLaughlin was given one of these kind of uh, roaming roles. Was he given a role to stay inside as a ball winner? Because it, it was actually a, the pass from Doherty to him towards the end who ran from the full forward position. And I was thinking, geez, I wonder if Kevin McLaughlin maybe stay in there the whole game. That's interesting. Um, I don't think he's a natural corner forward, but he could maybe play that Andy, Andy Moran role from full forward and be out in front all the time. He got 2-2. Um, a beautiful pass by Aidan O'Shea who scored a superb goal, point off the outside of his boot um, in the first half. Gave a few lovely diagonal balls which he probably wouldn't be known known for. But McLaughlin, a uh, player I really, really like. 2-2 from play. Really can play anywhere. He's been a great servant for Mayo in fairness. An underrated servant. Yeah, look, he's he's always... You know, you have to look back to the the point he scored last year against uh, against Donegal as well to keep them up in Division One. Oh yeah, the twenty steps. Yeah, the 20, 25 steps. Yeah. Um, so, look, he's he's been consistently excellent for Mayo, and they're they're a much poorer team when he's not involved. They in are. and he had a quite a good performance again. Two two is fairly impressive on any day. I think you play him wing forward, though, do you? I think so. Yeah. Like well, they seem to be interchanging well, and you want you want them doing it. Uh, him and Aidan O'Shea going uh, in and out. Well, you see, I I like McLaughlin further up because I think he's a score threat. You know, in a way that some of their other players that have been played in the inside line, they're, even though they're inside forwards, yeah. they're not really troubling the scoreboard could, enough. Like yeah. I mean, you'd have him ahead of Evan O'Regan every day, even well, as a corner forward. Oh, any day, yeah. Killian and Andy and Jason O'Doherty. Yeah. Do you know you could I play him in in the Jason Doherty role if Doherty got injured. He'd be very good at buzzing left and right because he's faster than Doherty, and he's actually a very underrated passer of the ball as well. He yeah, sees that he yeah. sees that diagonal pass as well. Like I mean, that's definitely a role for him playing out in front of Andy Moore and Killian because I don't think Andy Moore can really over the course of seventy minutes play that role of making those breaks all the time because no matter what way you look at it some people always think oh well it's grueling doing all the work in the half forward line but f- trust me it's grueling making that first break in the full <laughs> forward line you're, you're doing high intensity sprints all the time yeah. and Moran can't do that where maybe they're trying in fairness to Horan just to finish up he's definitely experimented to the point that he's got plenty of options which Mayo haven't had at all so like to make a league final and have that many options like it's been a massive su- massively successful league for Horan Yeah hugely positive started off quite well little lull period and finished really well for them um, with loads of different players getting game time and guys I think he said 30 last night Yeah like that's fairly impressive really um, and that's exactly what I mean he couldn't have scripted it any better to get to, to, get to a league final was a bonus for them <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll leave it on that. Okay, we'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview the three um, league finals. We'll be doing a special show the following Thursday to preview Leash's uh, league final against whoever they're playing. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have have spoken with each other and... uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.